Under the Dome Radio for Season 1, Episode 8, Thicker Than Water. This is your Under the Dome Radio, the go-to podcast by and for fans, like yourself, of CBS Television's Under the Dome Television series. This is Episode 15. Check out the show notes at underthedomeradio.com slash 15. Under the Dome Radio is produced by Media Voiceovers, that's me, as well as, you know, if you want to sponsor some of our affiliate links that you can find over at underthedomeradio.com. And here at the Under the Dome Radio podcast, just wanted to throw this out there. You know, we strive to talk about Under the Dome, the TV series, in as clean of a manner as possible, considering some of this crazy subject matter that's on the show. So we do our best. We certainly won't be using profanity. You can count on that, right, Troy? Absolutely, Wayne. We definitely do not want to say that word or that word. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But anyway, we just wanted to make sure that you are prepared for this awesome 15th episode of Under the Dome Radio, as we'll always go on the air. We'll talk about what we liked and found interesting about Thicker Than Water. And again, we're clean, so that's why the blood was obviously left out of the title. Uh, We'll definitely go at the tower where we play your feedback. Got great stuff from Facebook, Twitter, as well as the listener voicemails and some new ones this week chiming in from Minneapolis and a few other places. Then we'll uh, definitely get the broadcast section in there for all those people helping get the word out. And near the end of the podcast, we'll be in the dome because episode nine is right around the corner and we are hearing some spoilery type stuff for where this show just might go for the last month of the run. And, of course, I'm Troy Heinrichs, the bike-riding, tech-teaching, world-traveling, Green Bay Packers fan who, during this episode, for some strange reason, flashed back to 1991 for a brief moment. Uh, time traveling in your head, eh? A. <laughs> and I'm Wayne Henderson. Not the jazz musician, guitarist Wayne Henderson, but instead, I'm the voice-acting, podcasting Packers fan, Wayne Henderson. And we want to remind you that we love to hear your dulcet tones on our voicemail. Give us a call on the listener voicemail line at 904-469-7469. That's 904-469-7469. Or just go right to underthedomeradio.com and you can leave your feedback right from your smartphone, your computer, anything with a microphone that you can go to that website should work. And want to remind everybody that the Under the Dome Radio podcast is not just yet affiliated with CBS, Stephen King, Amblin Entertainment, the Under the Dome TV miniseries, any of those people. But, you know, of course, we want to be. But if your name is Carl, definitely keep it up because they're going to listen one of these times. Thank you, listener Carl. Absolutely. Well, ratings this week in the States were down yet again, setting a new series low for the demographic-wise, not necessarily for the viewership-wise, but still was the most watched in terms of viewers as we head into our second episode affected by the Time Warner CBS cable fiasco. As a reminder, you can watch the episodes at CBS.com unless, of course, you are a Time Warner Internet customer up until Friday, at which point then you can view all episodes of Under the Dome on the Amazon Instant Video. And it is free if you sign up to be an Amazon Prime member for the awesome amount of, I think it's $79 a year, which gets you free two-day shipping on everything you buy, which is totally awesome. However, our friends to the north in Canada... Viewership is actually on the rise, and they're almost equal to where they were when the uh, series uh, piloted 
back in June in Canada, thanks to our good list friend, good friend and listener Lawrence Griffin. Uh, he actually let us know that for the second consecutive week, viewership was around the 1.9 million mark in Canada, which was good enough for third place. It's only behind MasterChef by a few thousand people. And recently, Amazing Race Canada debuted, which of course is taking the number one spot because it just started about two weeks ago. So what's actually fascinating about all of this is that even though the Dome brought in 13 million viewers in the States after the pilot, um, it's actually down around 10 million viewers in the States right now after this uh, just this past episode. Uh, but Canada debuted at about 2 million viewers, dropped to 1.6 million, and then has been climbing back up steadily ever since. 1.7, then 1.8, then 19.5, and 19.9 for the Endless Thirst. They haven't reported numbers yet for Imperfect Circles and Thicker Than Water. So we'll have to see if those two episodes actually decrease like the states did or if they'll actually still do better and stay on the rise equal to that pilot mark in Canada. So Lawrence, if you're out there again listening, thanks for the info and keep us posted on how those two episodes do. And then we'll really know if this Time Warner thing has definitely had an effect. Well, I know it's had an effect at least, well, obviously it's had somewhat of an effect, but I even know a few people here in town who have Time Warner cable, unfortunately, and they're pretty upset. They've missed the past couple of episodes of Under the Dome. And with all that being said, these are still fantastic ratings. I mean, there are a ton of television shows that would do anything to get this number of viewership. I mean, even when I was doing my fringe casting with Wayne and Dan podcast, I was with Dan, um, <laughs> obviously. Uh, fringe during the final season would average, you know, around two and a half to maybe three instead of the approximately 10 million that uh, Under the Dome's getting. So I think the, the ratings are very strong and holding steady enough considering it's a summer series people are winding down vacations getting ready for back to school here in the states and and all of that stuff but it is something definitely to keep an eye on but i'm certainly not nervous or worried about slight dips or i just wish that uh, time warner cable would get their act together so that uh, people can see under the dome well and i th think it's really great that the ratings have been what they are because it's been enough for cbs to say we are sticking with this kind of 13-episode summer format concept because they've just given an order to Amblin Television, who is currently behind Under the Dome, and Steven Spielberg's crew is going to be doing a new series next summer, 2014, called Extant, and it's going to be a little bit more sci-fi, and it looks like it might actually be paired with Under the Dome for a kind of sci-fi Monday night um, extravaganza, if you will, for 2014 cool. when uh, season two comes back for The Dome. So keep an eye on that. It's called Extant. That's E-X-T-A-N-T. E-X-T as in Tom, A-N-T as in Tom again by Spielberg's Amblin Television, ordered for 2014 on CBS. Thanks for that spelling lesson there, Troy. You betcha. We aim to please as we do PSAs here all across Chester's Mill. Yeah, because we're getting ready to go on the air and kind of talk about some of our favorite scenes and moments and what we think's behind them on this week's episode of Under the Dome. But since so much of the episode was tied into uh, the possible risk of losing their food source, I want to share a quick message from our buddy Hank Davis, who uh, does the Falling Skies podcast, NFL fan podcast, and coming very, very soon, he's also going to have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan podcast. The show's already underway, the podcast. He's just waiting for the TV series to catch up to him. Hello, my name is Hank Davis. I've been a podcaster for the past seven years. And over those seven years, I've cracked a ton of jokes. But you know what's not funny? Hunger. 
Over 16 million American children live in food insecure homes. I've designed a t-shirt that I call Inspired to Entertain and 10% of the net profits will go towards fighting hunger. The logo is an abstract microphone comprised of four colors which represent passion, determination, confidence, and happiness. For more information and to get your t-shirt, please head to tpenetwork.com slash hunger. Thank you so much for that, Hank. It's a worthy cause, and I've ordered my shirt. It's going to look sharp when it gets here. Absolutely, and I think it's a great that we're able to give back to the community. Obviously, you know, I was in Haiti doing the stuff down there, and again, you can hear all about that on our underthedomeradio.com slash Haiti episode, and of course, raising money for MS, doing the bike rides. So it's just great to see all the podcasters out there in the community giving back and doing what they can to help make humanity a better place because Manchester's Mill sure needs some help because oh. it's not a nice place to be right now. Those folks under the dome, quite a few of them, quite messed up. Yeah, especially when it comes to family issues, right? I mean, Big Jim and Junior fighting it out right as the show gets going this week. Yeah, they took right and started the day off in fine fashion. Basically, Big Jim telling him, telling his son, Junior, that he's a mama's boy. Yeah, pretty much. And then for some reason, uh, Jim goes over to the boom box and uh, pulls out the old Genesis cassette and starts playing, you're no son, you're no son, you're no son of my ein. My ein? Well, I was told I, I was told I wasn't allowed to sing it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> no we've, we've, heard, we've heard your American Idol audition, Troy. Yeah. Now, do we have to mention anything to do with Julie and Barbie? Can we s- skip over the Julie and Barbie and s- stuff until they get that straightened well, out? you know, I, I, I gave Julia the really dry humor comedy award for this episode, because the lines they had to right were just so timely yet so painfully delivered, at least in my opinion. I mean, here's Barbie digging a grave, and, and everybody was focusing on the butterfly that's kind of flying around in the opening scene, kind of Forrest Gump feather style, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's digging this grave, and she comes out, and he's like, hey, you're pretty good at that. And, hey, I just can't imagine losing a spouse like that. I mean, if she only knew what was really going on, I don't think she'd be saying these things. So it's kind of... Tongue-in-cheek on how this goes. Tongue-in-cheek, kind of weird, but uh, not one of my favorite scenes, but I guess we had to point it out because there was that moment. I well, you, liked, do have to bury, you do have to bury Alice at some point, I suppose. I mean, they did bury Rose, but I mean, this is only like the second burial out of all the people that have died yeah, the that body we've physically ca- seen. Yeah, the right? body count is growing, and I think they need to hire more grave diggers. But I like the scene where we've got that egg carton. You know, Angie opens it up. There's one egg in there. Love that shot. It very much a foreshadowing or a metaphor to the whole egg under the mini dome thing. I thought that was really well done and just ha wink, wink they were doing for us. But it's kind of like a, it could be misleading too. You know, I mean, so much has been pointed towards this whole cocoon and new life and the bird hatching out of the egg in the opening scene of the pilot so, I mean, are they trying to throw us off by saying there's like something's going to hatch out of this egg in the mini dome or is something else going to hatch that we're not quite aware of just yet? Right. So, I don't know, but it was definitely cool how they like focused in on it. It was just one egg in the carton. At the same time, I think they may be trying to throw us off because that thing under the mini dome may not actually be an egg just because it is shaped like an egg. True. True, but then we have Nori, right? They come out and they're about to head off and figure out what they're going to do about Allison putting her in the ground and everything. And Mackenzie Lynch did such a great job acting last week. This week, she's almost kind of annoying until you really kind of 
watch her progression through the episode. And it kind of reminded me of the seven stages of grief almost. All in one hour long episode? Yeah, I mean, she had denial, she had anger, she's kind of bargaining a little bit. She definitely had some guilt and depression as she's chucking those um, snow globes up at the dome when she found the Los Angeles one. And then finally, she kind of forgives Joe and buries her mom at the end. So he had the acceptance and hope part at the end of the episode. So yeah, all seven stages, I think, pretty much covered it right through this episode. But still kind of annoying in some ways. (laughs) A little bit. It's like it's like you have this like kind of flirtatious, funny feeling with Joe last episode, and all of a sudden now you're blaming him for your mom's death. So again, I think it's part of that you know stages of grief that she's dealing with that she's blaming him because they do make up in the end. But it was just a, a kind of a 180 that was unexpected. Okay. Now I've got a couple of items for the question and answer session here, and I do want to hear your answers, Troy. But listeners, I also want to hear your answers to these questions at 904. 904- Four six nine seven four six nine. We'll play him next week. Uh, what did you make of Big Jim saying, "From here on out, gotta be smart." I think it's. I, I still think there's something about Jim that we don't know. I think he's got a plan. It, it kind of goes back to I can't remember what it was. Denise, I think, that was talking about the rain and how he kind of just was like, "Hey, it's rain, woo!" And it's like, okay, so we have this rain, but he didn't seem phased by it. So. Is he implying something here like he knows a storm is coming? So from here on out, we got to be smart. I'm not sure how to think that he delivered that quite the way that he intended it. But I think it had more meaning to the viewers if you're kind of digging into the episode and what the foreshadowing might be. Well, Dean Norris definitely delivered the line very well. I'm just wondering what all's behind it. And like you said, there's probably some things about Jim Rennie we don't know yet. How about when Nori was telling Joe, quote unquote, bad things happen when we're together i think again she's in the grief stage here so i don't think she really meant anything by this one however it definitely seems that when joe and the dome or nori and the dome or the two of them and the dome get together the dome is kind of the third person in this equation that needs to be there for the bad things to happen because i don't know i got really scared in this episode when Julia touched the dome because I thought, oh my gosh, the colonites are going to go ballistic if Colin Ford dies. Oh. You know? <laughs> I was just like, oh no, what are we going to do? Twitter will be like a flood with all these you know, colonites just screaming, no! Because when I saw Joe kind of sit there and say the monarch will be crowned, I said, oh great, no, Joe's going to die. But uh, maybe not. Because uh, again, you know, Harriet's husband, we don't know if Harriet's husband was dead or alive or not either. Right, exactly. I don't think that just because we saw nori's mom and then she died shortly thereafter i don't think that means everybody that's an apparition is somebody that is dead or is going to die and twitter wouldn't allow it because it would literally crash the service (laughs) just with the outcry i'm just saying and you know obviously we don't know what's going to happen because everything's different than in the book but i have a feeling that joe's going to be around for at least a while And then, you know, kind of in that same line, you know, Joe's sitting in the diner with Julia and he's like drawing on this piece of paper. And it was a really sweet transition again, either from the editing floor or from the visual effects group on how he kind of crumbles up the paper and throws it. And then as he throws it, it kind of blows the wind to kind of clear off the the mini dome with leaves. And then all of a sudden it kind of activates these pink, whatever they are, and kind of, you know, turns the egg into a different pinkish color. So I didn't know if that was like him causing that to happen or if it was just a really great editing technique. Man, the Easter Bunny is not going to be able to top that this year. 
I, I would, wonder if that's just a cool coincidence. Though. Could be. You know, I it, the, the way they edited it, it tells me that Joe did it. I mean, something tells me that the, that the act and sequence was connected somehow. Otherwise, they wouldn't have edited it the way they did. Now, did you happen to catch a glimpse of what he was drawing? I rewound it a few times, but it's like he was drawing a few lines or and all of a sudden he crumbled it up and threw it away before we could really tell what was on there. I think he was drawing the egg. I think he was literally drawing a, an image of what he remembered seeing in the woods, you know, just so that he wouldn't forget what it looked like or kind of to have something to look at. Or maybe it's subconsciously, maybe he's drawing it, not even realizing he's drawing it and realizing that Julia's standing right in front of him. Just like later on when he's just kind of walking along, it's like, oh yeah, and then we found this egg in the woods. And then of course he's got egg on his face because now Julia knows that there's an egg in the woods. So, mm. yeah, it, maybe something's controlling them. I don't know. This episode, even though it had a few slow points, there was a lot of action as well. Yeah, I mean, they. It, it was really great on how they kind of work this kind of faction together, right? So it kind of goes back to this blue on blue where they're all Chester's millions, if that's a word. Oh my! Um, so they're all kind of <laughs> fighting at, fighting against each other for these resources, but yet. You know, it's like, are you with Big Jim or are you with Ali? And then it's kind of like these militias forming, you know, so, but Barbie's got a whole different kind of plan, right? He's like militia, more like demolitia seems more like it would be. <laughs> I kind of liked Barbie's plan better. Well, yeah, you know, if, if nothing else, it definitely stunk to high heaven, but sorry, I'm just full of jokes tonight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Don't try the veal. Podcast comedy right here with Troy Heinrichs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, why? It, it goes back to why didn't Big Jim think of that concept before? Because if he's really the only councilman left and he's aware of the wells in the first place when they were trying to find water um, back from Endless Thirst, you think that he would have done that sooner so that he could have controlled the water. So I'm not sure if he did this originally to get all the water to go to Ali to begin with or... If some other group is in here. They're just there's more to this that all of a sudden I can just make a giant crater in the hole, maybe to bury more bodies in, you know, so I don't have to dig all day because that takes too long. Um, but then the water just magically happens to go back to the reservoir. So what does that mean for underground again? So now we're back to digging under the dome. You know, is there tunnels? Is there secret passageways that we don't know about tied to the cement work still somehow? We'll have to wait and see. We're waiting. I guess we have to wait till at least Monday to find out more stuff. But one of my favorite, even though it was really sad and depressing, uh, one of my favorite scenes, it was so good to finally find out what happened to Big Jim's wife, uh, Junior's mom. You know, for a while we were wondering, were they divorced? Is she just living outside the dome? What's the story? Then we find out she's dead. But now we find out apparently she was mentally unstable and just drove her car 80 miles an hour into a tree. And it, and I think we definitely have confirmation that that story was true. Cause like in a small town, most people you would think would have known about what happened and Ollie didn't refute it or anything or say, you know, he's lying again, you know, just shoot him to shoot him now, you know? Um, so I think that we have confirmation that that did happen. The question is why was there something already happening in Chester's mill that drove her to be crazy like maybe there was start of the dome generation or testing or something going on that caused her to be crazy or was she just crazy? 
and pass the gene down to Junior, and that's why Junior is the way he is. Yeah, J- yeah, Junior's got some sort of issues, that is for sure. But I, I'm hoping that we can see some flashbacks. But so far, they haven't really done very much in the way of flashbacks, like we're used to on Lost or Alias or any of those cool uh, other cool shows. But uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I know with 13 episodes, you don't get too much of a chance to just go to all these places. But that is an excellent question. Why? Did she go that far? Yeah. But since Junior has obviously picked up on the being mentally unstable and then taking it to a whole new level, how about the scene that they kind of teased us incorrectly on the trailer last week um, when he's there with Ollie, how he wants to be the one to shoot and kill his dad? Well, you know what you can say about that, and you can definitely hear Steve from the voice of Steve giving this line, but he's like, whoops, there's Junior again with a weapon, only this time Ollie goes kersplooey. Yeah. Didn't see that coming at all. I, Ollie, I was, I was shocked that he just pulled that fast and took Ollie out. It was really kind of the, it was the one moment in the episode that actually let me get the rating up a little bit higher overall for this thing, because I did not see that coming at all. Now, I sent memos to everybody in Chester's Mill Warning them, look, too many people have lost their minds and let Junior Rennie have a gun. Stop it. And they just keep on doing it. Definitely. But then you have this issue then, you know, where Barbie and Big Jim kind of have this conversation of, you know, you know, the whole same team, different teams, don't cross me. You know, war's coming. There's two sides to this coin. You know, so, you know, are people going to start to side with Barbie? Are Barbie and Big Jim still in good graces? You know, because, you know, he's really saying, you know, hey, people don't have to die. You can do this a different way. So he's challenging Jim's authority. But at the same time, Jim now controls the water, too. So maybe it's, you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. We'll have to wait and see. Hmm. Well, meanwhile, back at the egg-shaped object under the mini dome, we hear that the monarch will be crowned. How mysterious is that? Well, not very mysterious because obviously we've seen the monarch butterflies. We know that there's this, uh, you know, Ali definitely had a dictatorship mentality or a monarch dictat- uh, uh, mentality when he was trying to guard as well. You know, we know Jim is the only person on the council, so it's basically his word or, or against nobody's because he is the authority. So the monarch theme doesn't seem to be. Um, too far-fetched, if you will. It's just a matter of who the monarch is going to be. And I'm going to save my thoughts, um, thanks to some Facebook comments, for the spoiler section later on. But I definitely thought it was interesting how, at the end of the episode, they focus again on Angie's butterfly tattoo, which now definitely cannot be coincidence that it's there. I think it was placed by the show. And you caught it right off the bat, way back, I believe, on the pilot. You've been did you see the butterfly tattoo? And I'm like, no. <laughs> yep, there's dumping about that tattoo for sure. And then, of course, as they spun the camera around, she has this look on her face that I, like, my plan is coming into motion or, haha, if they only knew. I don't know if it's just the way that they had her look for that scene because it was dark outside, but she definitely had a look on her face that said, you know, either Angie's going to be the monarch or Angie knows more than she's letting on to know. Maybe she is changed because of the dome and junior's been right all along and would that be a really big twist junior actually be right um but i I, we'll have to see where it goes i'm not sure 
And that's another scene that I rewound like three or four times in a row because I was trying to figure out what what are they trying to tell us here? But I think they're just giving us something to question on the podcast, basically. And then at the end of the episode, you got Junior laying in the cell, kind of like Duke, kind of like Linda. Mm. So it almost kind of shows like I'm the one that's really in control of this town because I'm in the, the I'm in the Duke Perkins cell and the Duke Perkins kind of laying down on the bench kind of thing. You know, it was really my plan all along to be the Trojan horse to infiltrate Ollie's camp and really side with my dad to begin with. I think he's just in his own world, in his mind there, you know, but at the same time, is that foreshadowing? Because why would you shoot that episode in the jail cell that way? Other than the fact that he had no place to sleep, but it might be something more to that. I don't know. I, I know that that's what junior is saying, but I think he's just making that up to make it seem more like he always has a plan. Like his dad does. I, I, I don't think he's that bright and I don't think he would have been able to have orchestrated that type of Trojan horse event the way he talked about it it seems more like even though there's been a few dips in the road for big jim rennie um it seems like things always seem to come out well for him in the end yeah i just don't know where this is all gonna go well i'm anxious to find out yeah i mean episode nine i mean we've heard inklings that episode nine is kind of like a pivotal pivotal little pivotal turning point in the show so we'll have to wait and see how that happens but you know, I think the, what I can leave you with right now, Wayne, is that I definitely know 100% that I'm never going to ask you the question, how was your day, honey? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that would see. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, come on, really? I asked you earlier, do we have to talk about the Julia Barbie thing anymore? Well, I told you I said I gave her the bad comedy awards, hence why I had to surpass her by giving bad comedy myself this evening. So anyway, Terrible. it was still a really good episode. You know, last week's was you know, out fantastic and all that. I I would give this one seven and a half out of 10 gun toting DJs because of Phil, right? Of course. At least least Phil's going to live. We hope. Well, I hope so too. DJ Phil, you know, he's got his FCC license. He's on the air, but now he's taking a break from his on-air duties, uh, toting a gun to try to help out the cause. For sure. For sure. And everybody's got to mark it down right now because Wayne and I agree on the rating this week i have yeah maybe the domes are in alignment or something balance seven and a half out of ten for me as well versions of the song junior's got a gun we both have gun related seven and a halfs excellent nice work troy touche so that that's still a pretty pretty strong uh episode laying groundwork like you said the pivotal one is coming on up so now let's go ahead and head on over to the tower because we've got some listener feedback and other stuff to discuss you know the listeners we you guys you guys are smart you've got some listener thoughts and theories and things you've shared with us that make me wonder why didn't i catch on to that myself so let's start that off but first a little hello from officer randolph Hello, this is Kevin Sizemore. I'm Paul Randolph on under the dome and when i'm not busy running around through the woods shooting bullets at the dome I listen to Wayne and Troy on the Under the Dome radio podcast. I thought tonight's show was amazing, and I was really happy to see Junior kill Ollie because I think he's being extremely selfish. I'm still trying to figure out his whole Trojan horse thing, but and the ending, oh my gosh, was insane when the whole 
a monarch will be crowned and then showing Andy's tattoo and then the preview and it's just crazy and I'm not too sure about this whole pink stars thing but I think it's connected to people's deaths and um, I swear I'm gonna go crazy if Joe dies because I mean like he said Alice died right after him and Nori touched the dome and they saw her and then the same thing happened when Julia touched it but thank you so much for your calls and I don't I'm just guessing here, but I don't think you have to worry about Joe dying anytime soon. I think that would be insane if they did something like that on the show. But I understand your concern. And also, Kevin Sizemore, thank you so much uh, for when you called in and left that liner for us. And so good to know that Officer Randolph, when he's not shooting at the Dome, is listening to the Under the Dome radio podcast. But be warned, CBS, Brian Vaughn, Jack Bender, Steven, Steven. You know, that's another, that's two now that have mentioned, you know, you can't kill Colin or Twitter is going to crash. Just saying. And we got um, some interesting, uh, more kind of along those lines about Angie's tattoo and the whole monarch thing. Mark from Minnesota um, on Facebook this week, um, he said he definitely caught that the camera angle on Angie's tattoo at the end of the episode, they seem to be foreshadowing that the monarch involves her. Mark's prediction is that she will become the leader of the dome. Big Jim is quickly losing the popular vote for sure. But then we had Chris, the lost weather guy on Twitter. He said that the monarch will be crowned. Pretty sure that we just saw it begin as Big Jim is taking the reins of power by creating his own militia. What do you say about that, Wayne? Big I think Jim that's, or Angie? It could come, come down to a uh, battle of the kingdoms, possibly. It could. But if we had to pick Team Troy and Team Wayne for this week, are you Big Jim or are you Angie? But I, I love how a uh, listener living salty, uh, Rochelle on Twitter, um, goes more with uh, Team Train. I think it's T-R-A-Y-N-E. Well, I could definitely tell you that I'm actually Team Train because I have a third person that I think will become the monarch, and I'll save that for the spoiler section. Oh, okay, but for now, to actually answer your question, I actually think that it they're making it look more like it's going to be something to do with angie speaking of rochelle actually she was excited to watch the pretty much annual august meteor shower that happens here in the states after the airing of thicker than water but was very disappointed to not see any pink stars during the event oh no i i saw a bunch of uh, pink stars falling in lines um on our website on the right sidebar where it talks about the itunes reviews we've got a lot of great reviews lately and a lot of five stars, five pink stars falling in lines. And then Deanna, actually one of Rochelle's neighbors there down in the Carolinas from Twitter, said it was wonderful the way Junior took care of his dad. I knew he wouldn't I knew he would shoot the other guy. Really? Under the Dome is such a great show. So it, there definitely seems to be a couple people out there that are junior fans. So you had a couple callers a week a couple weeks ago that called in and said that they were rooting for Junior, that they kind of had a love affair with Junior, that they liked Junior. So, Yikes. you know, Junior's got fans out there, you know, there's got to be some on each side of the coin. You know, like they said there was, you know, two sides of that coin is what Barbie said. So you got Junior haters and Junior lovers, I guess. But at the same time, I 
and this is just my theory if, if you want to be team wayne or whatever you want to call it i i don't think junior was taking care of his dad i think he just saw the opportunity and at the last minute i don't think it was his plan all along but after his dad finally told the complete truth and broke down and kind of begged and and all that then he decided to you know ollie he is pretty slimy and then our friend Hank Davis, you heard the PSA for at the start of this show. Uh, Hank Davis actually said, for every cheesy phrase they use in Under the Dome, I must admit they do throw out a several few good lines and twists to the story. So Hank was definitely queuing in on the bad lines this week, all delivered by, unfortunately, Ms. Shumway. Hey, Wayne and Troy, this is Jeff Gentry at Force 11 calling in for the Under the Dome podcast. Uh, calling in some late feedback, uh, give you a play next week, um, but I just thought it was interesting. You were talking in the podcast about how the uh, pregnant neighbor went out and um, thought she saw her husband, thought the dome was down, and here's my idea. The dome was manipulating her. Um, it was really clear. It looked like the dome wasn't there to me at all. And I, I didn't even know that she was near the edge of the dome. So, I, you know, I'm thinking the, the dome was manipulating it, making it look like the dome wasn't there, and she thought that was her husband. And then when the dome gets her to touch touch it, you know, then it, it, it reveals itself. Then later in the episode, we have the dome showing uh, the mini-dome, <laughs> showing Alice uh, to her daughter. And the interesting thing is the dome is starting to manipulate people. We uh, somewhat see that in the book, um, but, you know, this is kind of different, uh, especially this ep- how this kind of episode played out and what it looked like. But it looks like the dome is starting to manipulate things. Uh, I-, I don't know if... Uh, you know, if it's, it's, you know, making the static there, you know, and them touching it the other week caused the static to go away, or it blocked itself and then it kind of was throwing people off the scene where it made it think like other people were controlling the dome. It's just interesting to see. I think the dome is kind of manipulating and the, whoever's behind the dome is manipulating circumstances to how it wants. Um, so, you know, right now we can't hear people through the dome. Well, last we tried, we couldn't hear people through the dome. But uh, maybe the dome will allow that later on. So it'll just be interesting to see. But I really think the dome and the people behind the dome or the things behind the dome are manipulating people inside the dome. Those are my thoughts. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. Thanks, Jeff. I really agree, actually, with where he's going with this, because I know you have actually started now, Wayne, reading 112263 by Stephen King. Um, You're probably about maybe a quarter of the way through. I'm about three quarters of the way through. And one of the themes in 112263 from Stephen King is that the, the main protagonist doesn't want to change anything in the past that may cause somebody to speed up a particular event and do the event early or derail the event and have the event actually happen later. No spoilers. No spoilers. (laughs) But the whole point of the book is trying to prevent the event altogether. 
right? So if you don't do something at the right specific moment, you could in- inevitably bring the event sooner or later and not negate it altogether. So with that being said, I think the dome is going to kind of be that same way hmm. where if it's going to start manipulating people, I think it has to then do it at a certain point in time with certain people because if it doesn't do it at that moment, then the plan for the dome or the plan for whatever's behind the dome doesn't get executed in the way it needs to be done. So I definitely think Jeff is on to something there, and it's very Stephen King-like based on some of his other works. That's an interesting way to look at it. I hadn't thought of that, but I'm wondering, you know, just kind of guessing, and I'm sure we're not going to know until at least the end of this season or middle of next season, what is the dome up to? What What's the end game, like you said? But it's definitely tied right into this whole kind of, again, butterflies, right? I mean, the whole thing with Love and 2263 is the butterfly effect. If I mm-hmm. step on this, what happens here? So again, if the dome is manipulating, call it, you know, Julia to start asking questions about the monarch will be crowned. And now that Julia now knows this and is asking about it, then it's definitely the issue around whether or not um, she starts to put into motion what that monarch would be. Right, because if she hadn't known about it, maybe the monarch doesn't come about. But now that she knows about it, the butterfly effect is in full effect. Therefore, she now is going to bring about the monarch in some way because of what she knows. This is going to be interesting to see how they can play that out in uh, what do we got about four, five more episodes? Time will tell, Troy. Time will tell. Hi. So I'm just going to leave my thoughts about the monarch will be crowned. So I know that um, when Barbie was digging the grave for Alice, um, a monarch butterfly sort of fluttered over the hole. Um, I know Angie has a tattoo of a monarch on her shoulder, and a monarch can also refer to a king or a queen or a type of a butterfly. So I sort of think Nori might be a little bipolar, you know, because first she's talking to Joe. Joe, it is so your fault that my mom is dead. And then she's all like, okay, it's my fault. It's everyone's fault. Joe, I love you again. I don't think it's your fault, but she can't really seem to make up her mind. I can see why Angie was able to relate with, to her so well. I'm really wondering if uh, Julia is ever going to find out that Barbie killed her husband and what her thoughts are going to be if she finds out. And, like, if the fact that she's been sleeping with him for a couple days now is going to alter what she thinks or what. I'm not sure I've seen Barbie smile once all season. So, basically, that's all I've got for now, but I will be sure to call back soon with more thoughts, ideas, or predictions. Bye. Thank you so very much for calling 904-469-7469 and sharing your thoughts. Interesting point about Barbie, maybe not even smiling yet on the season. He had to have smiled once. I think he smiled when he tapped uh, Joe on the shoulder and said, hey, keep it up. You're doing a good job. But he was mapping out the dome in episode two. But, yeah, he definitely does not seem to be the uh, friendly. He even kind of smirks at the, uh, hey, honey, how was your day? And he's he kind of groans a little bit. And he's like, well, <laughs> it, you have it, to know. Interesting point about how Angie and Nori are kind of bonding already, even though, you know, when Angie finally came home after Joe says, I've been looking for you all week. <laughs> he has not. He's mostly been out doing his own thing. But now Angie and Nori kind of bonded after breaking all of the snow globes, which – 
Aren't most of those really made of plastic? Could be. You never know, but the dome is made, made of something that can break plastic pretty easily. And make it sound and like We still glass know what breaking. the substance of the dome is. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, a, a really good expensive snow globe is definitely made of glass. Oh, well, I don't know anything about those types of snow globes, okay? And but she, good- did make, she made one interesting point, though, in there that um, I don't want to fixate on just yet, but she did say that a monarch could stand for a butterfly, a king, or a queen. So I know that some people are like, Okay, you had Ollie, you had Big Jim, you had Barbie, and they're probably focusing on monarch. You think of monarchy, you think of kings, but don't count out the queens. It'd be very interesting oh, to see what happens. Absolutely. I was thinking they could have been talking about Benny. Never know. He could he he'd be a good even keeled ruler over them. Well, or elected official. The, yeah, he's got the uh, ins with all the other people outside the dome, right? Because he's talking to all the other people, trying to find out about the China thing and all that other stuff. So he's more of a man of the people, if you will. So we'd have to wait and see if the, uh, he's a good monarch or a bad monarch. We'll have to see. Maybe the dome will manipulate each and every Chester's million and give them all their own vision of themselves being the monarch. Who knows? But we also did get an email from Justine. Actually, it's a post that she put on uh, Google Plus uh, to be most uh, specific. She says this was an explosive episode. That's for sure. I have to say this show had some strong writing in the character depth department. Unusual uh, for a show with such a large cast. The showrunners threw new obstacles at Big Jim, the failed attack on the farmer coupled with Junior's Trojan horse defense and emotional turmoil. They even showed a new side to Angie while she was bonding with Nori. I feel invested in these characters, that is for sure. It's going to be hard to let them go as conditions under the dome deteriorate. And as to the dome's main mystery, I feel very confused about the small pink egg. It could be a high-tech device used in space exploration that creates a strong protective shield around an area on any given planet. Uh, The Chester's Mill incident might be its test run. The main part of it, the small dome, is clearly able to interact with people's emotions and memories through touch. And watching the episode, Justine says, I kept wondering how easily being shut off from the outside world drove the conflicts between the prominent citizens of Chester's Mill into overdrive. And because of that, there seems to be no clear leadership to unite the folks under the dome. I think the longer this continues, the more the chances for the town's survival will dwindle, just like the food supplies. I rate this episode 8 out of 10 pink stars. Thanks, Justine. Yeah, so she's in the same ballpark as us. Um, I I almost think that it's taken too long for people to get to these conflict stages. I think people, again, would have been more crazed by day two or day three. I mean, we're almost a week in at this point, and we're first starting to realize that we're going to run out of food and water. I think this definitely would have been happening much, much sooner. So... I'm I'm really glad that we got to the point of Julia now knows about the mini dome because people are going to start to ask questions, move the story forward, try to find out what's going on because there's way too many people that are worried about themselves and not worried about how the heck to get out of this place. Exactly. And Julia, as well as Dodie, both know a couple of other secrets as well, like the seizures with the pink stars falling in lines and things like that. So at least there's some outsider, you know, it's not just Joe and Nori keeping these huge secrets to themselves, you know, just in case something were to unfortunately happen to either or both of them, there would still be others that could uh, continue on the investigation, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So we'll have to wait and see if that progresses and if Dodie makes an appearance next week. I so hope we haven't so. seen her in a while. Yeah. She's probably studying with it. Or she's covering maybe for Phil's airshift while he's out toting guns. Could be. Could be. Ooh, this is Neil from Bowie calling in about Under the Dome Thicker Than Water. The uh, title reflects Junior saving his father's life, though I really doubt that uh, being a Trojan horse there was his plan all along. And, of course, since the uh, dispute was about water in the well, the phrase gets added meaning. I really think uh, Junior did switch over to Ollie's side and only saved his father when he told him the full truth about his mother's death. I don't think anybody watching the episode was surprised by Ollie's death. One surprising thing in the series of confrontations was the kneecapping that Ollie ordered. That was quite brutal. It seemed that the uh, sky got a dark quite quickly from the time when Barbie was setting up the explosives using Ollie's own supplies to when the final attack of the well started. The sun was relatively low when Barbie started, but still it seemed a bit quick. Uh, we see a butterfly near the beginning of the episode while Barbie is using his grave digging skills. So later on, when Julia puts both her hands on the mini-dome, she sees a version of Joe telling her the monarch will be crowned. That, of course, has to have something to do with Angie, who has the butterfly tattoo. But just what that is is a mystery to be solved later, perhaps even the next episode if we take the preview at face value. Um, does it result in Angie's death, or will she be enhanced by the dome in some way, like Joe and Nori? The egg inside that mini-dome has pink stars rising. Does that have something to do with Joe and Nori saying pink stars are falling? What's the relationship there? They definitely need to investigate that mini-dome more. Uh, looking forward to the next episode. That's all. Hi. Uh, just wanted to, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to uh, give feedback on uh, an episode um, under the dome. I'm enjoying the show. I read the book. Um, it's a little bit different, uh, but that that's okay. A uh, couple of things. One is that um, I thought the episode which aired for me here, I think it was August fifth. Uh, um, that was a really good episode. Very good acting. Um, very sad. Um, but I'm concerned that we're you know killing off our characters. It seems. Uh, really quickly in light of the fact that it there is a second um, second season so just worried about that and um, I, you know we, we just need to you know, I'm just wondering who you're gonna get back I mean there's so many so people so many people that you can fit under the dome so I'm just just kind of worried about that I thought the acting was very 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 good um, so again and also I'm just worried about like the Carol Carolyn Hill character, what is she going to do now? Because she really has been isolated uh, from the community and really hasn't been productive. Uh, she's been protecting her family, but she really hasn't done anything. So I'm just worried about that. Alice was the one that had the medical background. So just kind of worried about what direction we're going to be going with the Carolyn Hill figure and, and you know, how things are going to pan out there. Um, secondly, uh, worried about the there's been another number of people killed under the dome and what is happening with the bodies. I mean, we have butterflies outside the dome. I am sure that we have flies inside the dome. What is going on with those bodies? The only uh, part I saw we really addressed that was this episode when there was an actual burial of a body. 
So uh, just again, concerned about that little detail. Lastly, I think you really need to start playing off of the science fiction part of this story because that would really, really make it more interesting and more intriguing. So um, again, thank you for the opportunity to comment on the episode. I'm really enjoying it and uh, glad that we have a second season. Thank you again. Awesome points and so glad that we are getting some outside the States feedback, it sounds like, since you watched the episode uh, a little bit later than we did here in the U.S. Uh, definitely want to comment on this, but I think we have some other news along these lines. So we're going to hold our feedback for this caller immediately after we do this following message. Hi there, this is Rick. Yeah, I'm still Amy. You are. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to the Under the Dome radio podcast with our buddies, Wayne and Troy. Yeah, nice guys. They are nice guys. Well, don't tell them we said that. But hey, we enjoy their podcast quite a bit because we like watching Under the Dome. And they always have some great insight, plus all their fans and everything. But hey, we do a podcast too. And when you're done listening to this one, you can come over and listen to our Take Him With You podcast. It's like a reality show, but on a podcast, right? Something like that. Yeah, so come on over and visit us at TakeHimWithYou.com. Rick and Amy, thank you so much for that promo. Yeah, Take Him With You. I love listening to that almost every Sunday morning. Yeah, and we're glad that they were able to help break us there because we are going to go in the dome, the spoilery part of the show where we may tease a little bit about the book, some upcoming information that we know about for episode nine next week. And why don't you go ahead and take it away and right after that last caller, because he was talking about, um, you know, what's going to happen when all these people die off, who's going to replace them if this goes into a season two. Exactly. And I did want to touch on that, but uh, definitely saving it for here in the, in the know, in the dome section, uh, just kind of thinking outside of the box for a minute. I've put on my lost goggles, which is, wait, uh, no, no, we made it almost 45 minutes without a lost reference. No. We're doing so good. So looking at it with those on, let's not assume that the second season of under the dome will even be in Chester's mill, you know, much like everyone assumed on lost that it would always take place on the island. But we quickly learned that uh, as Lost went on, not only did a lot of it take place off the island, but it took place at places all around the world. So I'm thinking you never know because it's going to be different than the book. But season two of Under the Dome could be inside another dome, in another city, maybe even in another country. Who knows? Of course, it could still be in Chester's Mill with even less people. But again, who knows? Or, again, the town does have 2,000 people in it, and yes, we've had some people die off. Maybe we've had, I don't know, maybe 50 in total um, kick the bucket since the pilot. At the most. Uh, Somewhere around there. We're just guessing. But what we do know is that next week, episode number nine, there's been this hashtag that's been floating around Twitter, and it's called, Who is Maxine? Again, that's M-A-X-I-N-E. Who is Maxine? Check it out on Twitter, and you will find that if you are a following fan or a justified fan, that Natalie Zaya is going to be joining Under the Dome in episode number nine, which is entitled The Fourth Hand. Now, it appears from what CBS has put out there that Natalie Zaya is going to be tied somehow 
to Barbie and Big Jim in ways that even they didn't even understand. Mm. So don't count out Chester's Mill for season two either, Wayne, because there's lots of people we haven't met yet. And we may or may not like them, or they may or may not be insane like Junior. Or like my good friend uh, Rick Moyer from the Take Him With You podcast uh, just was just said. Uh, Rick actually commented on Facebook to one of our posts this week when I said, "You know, what does this monarch will be crowned mean?" And Rick actually pointed out right away the Queen is coming to Chester's Mill. So is Natalie Zaya's character Maxine the Queen that we might be expecting next week? Yeah, that would be a little bit of a coincidence that she makes this grand entrance onto Under the Dome. Just while we're all asking, who's the monarch? What does that mean? Who, who, what, where? She was awesome in in the following. I was a huge following. You can call me a cult member of the following, no pun intended. Um, but the following was great. So if Natalie can do half of what she did on the, on the following, I think it's going to be awesome to have her join the program next week. Interesting. I, of course, will be watching. And is there any chance that this whole Time Warner Cable CBS thing could be solved by then? I don't know. The NFL season doesn't technically start till after Labor Day, so I'm assuming that it's going to be at least held out until then. That's just my two cents. I mean, it's. I mean, the NFL is the one thing that could, you know, straw camel back. You'll record this on Wednesdays, so hump day, if you will. Woohoo, hump day! Oh, I hate that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the dome's a hump too. Look at that. You know, we just happen to be in the dome. Wow. On hump day. Wow. The, 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 the comedy just keeps on coming tonight. Um, but, you know, you think about it. I think this Time Warner thing is definitely going to stretch out till then because for both sides, it's the only leverage they have is football. You know, I mean, unless ratings seriously tank or the fall TV season, which technically doesn't start till around September 22nd comes into play. You know, the Time Warner CBS thing still going to go on for a couple of weeks yet, which unfortunately oh, okay. is probably going to be the pivotal scenes and in, in, uh, episodes of the Dome for the entire story for this season one arc. So we'll have to uh, find out what happens. But as far as the book goes this week, because we are about day seven, day eight at this point, um, I think this kind of raid on the well concept, again, they're borrowing from the bones of the book, right? Exactly. And I viewed this raid on the well kind of like the raid on the radio station when Big Jim's people kind of go to try to take back what was rightfully Big Jim's to begin with, which is the radio station and the operation that's going on there. So I, I, I don't want to say that that won't come back into play again later on down the road when we get more into this you know, drug-making business and what the propane is all about. But th- this kind of reminisced for me that kind of storming the radio station kind of feel. And another thing that reminded me of uh, the Under the Dome novel, which, again, was so full of, uh, it was so full of profanity and violence. It was like insane. It couldn't even be on Showtime the way that it was filmed. Or uh, written, but well, it wouldn't be on Showtime. It'd be blacked out. A good point. <laughs> but basically, another part of, that really called me back to the book was the scene where, especially in the trailer last week, they made it really look like you know Junior was going to be shooting Big Jim or you know coming close to it or something like that. And I was thinking near the end of the novel when uh, I forget the character's name who was talking about how he's going to finally now kill Big Jim and save the town and and all of that. And, of course, Big Jim always has a plan. So I thought that this was going to be that scene just substituting Junior for that other character. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, t- I, t- I totally get where you're going with that. I can absolutely see that now that you put it that way. Because again, they're using the scene, but just doing it with a different character for the different spin for the TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I think our book tie-ins are going to be ending here soon because, as as the book readers know, you know, day eight was about it, and uh, the dome comes up on day eight. So I think that uh, with day nine for the TV show, I think we're going to start to get some answers here as we move into the end of Act Two and the start of Act Three over the next couple of weeks. I believe you're probably right. Uh, there is still a lot of other action in the book that could be taken from maybe day four and just moved over to day nine and kind of rearrange things like that. I just hope we don't see any um, scenes in without mentioning names, but any scenes that involve uh, breakfast cereal. That's all I'm going to yep. say. I don't want to get into that kind of thing. But no pan- Yeah, no pantries and definitely no scarecrows. No. I don't know. We might see some scarecrow things. I don't know. I have a feeling something that visual has to make an appearance. The one thing that I am, I mean, the special effects with the mini dome are kind of cool. But the one thing that I am kind of disappointed in is that if you remember at nighttime around the mini dome generator in the book, there was kind of this eerie glow, like a radioactive fog, if you right. will. Yes. I'm kind of hoping we get to see that effect at some point in this TV series, because I think the special effects crew could really do a really awesome job with that. Um, I just think it'd be a really neat effect to actually see because I could envision it in my head from reading the book. And all I thought about was, man, this would look awesome on TV. I remember you telling me that when you were reading that part. And I, I think we may still see that. But on the other hand, the dome in the series, um, in some ways, that mini dome is trying to keep itself kind of hidden, it, you know, except for, for maybe Joe and Nori and now Julia. But uh I don't know. Do you think it pulled all those leaves up on top of itself to to hide? Like when just nobody's a, around, it just kind of. Well, every time you know uh, Joe wants to write a love letter to Nori, the leaves come back, and then when he's done writing the love letter and crumples it up and throws it in the wastebasket, the leaves go away. So uh, I have to pay more attention to that. Time to watch that episode thicker than water yet again. Now that and I've heard from you and the listeners, I can watch it with a whole different aspect. And it's a great time to do it, too, because I think those propane tanks out back again are just running a bit low. So, again, it's been awesome talking with you this week. But in the meantime, if you want to stay in touch with us, you can always visit the website under the radio.com. Check out that right hand sidebar. You can definitely sponsor a tank of propane to help keep the show running over the last uh, five weeks here from this first season run. Uh, uh, there's definitely a bunch of ways you can help out. Um, obviously, you can pre-order the Blu-ray, the awesome Snow Globe edition. Oh, that of, is going to be so cool. Just don't throw it against your mirror or plexiglass uh, and break the box because no, it's really it, too cool to be chucking around. Exactly. Collectible. But definitely order that from our Amazon affiliate store, again, at underthedomeradio.com slash love. Uh, stay in touch with us over at Facebook, facebook.com slash under the dome radio on Twitter at UTD radio podcast and use the hashtag UTDR so we can find your tweets faster. And of course, the ever faithful iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Definitely leave a review. Give us a rating. It really helps out the show and helps us stay up in the rankings so that more people can find us, whether you're here in the States or abroad. We'd love to bring in all the listeners, all 13 million in the States or 10 million in the States after this week, plus the 2 million in Canada or wherever you may be because it's in 200 international markets and we are here for all of you. Excellent. And like I touched on in an early episode of Under the Dome Radio, I won't stop until 
every single one of those people also listens to the Under the Dome radio podcast. I'd really like to have them all involved. <laughs> and they can get involved in many different ways. And how is that, Wayne? Well, you can let your voice be heard because that's one of our favorite things is to hear your actual voice. And if you call in either through a phone or through your computer or using the SpeakPipe widget on the site at underthedomeradio.com, we would love to hear that and play it on the next episode of the podcast. Also, at the same time, if you are a dome head or catch yourself out and about and you're like, wait a minute. I feel like I'm under the dome. In fact, it looks like I'm under a dome. Have somebody snap a picture, send that in so we can share it on our Dome Heads page at underthedomeradio.com slash domeheads. And while we get ready for the next Under the Dome Radio podcast episode, I want to give you an announcement. It actually came through just 90 seconds ago while we were recording. It is official now. Very proud and excited to announce that the Under the Dome Radio podcast is a proud member of the Noodle.mx network. You can get more of our podcast that'll help you think, laugh, and succeed over at Noodle.mx. You can theorize over Once Upon a Time, learn how to podcast yourself, build personal productivity, laugh at their clean comedy, and even more over at Noodle.mx. And yes, we heard just now from Daniel Lewis. We're very excited to be affiliated with him in the Noodle.mx uh, podcast, like Eric J. Fisher's Beyond the To-Do List, which is always up there. And Daniel's Once Upon a Time podcast is killing it. And with Once Upon a Time coming back very, very soon, that's going to be exploding. And he's going to be a very busy man yet again. <laughs> So we're very excited about that. More details on the next episode. But till that next episode of the Under the Dome radio podcast, we want you to stay in touch because we're all in this together. And because you rock. So until then, you can always find us. Lost, out on the fringe, trapped under the dome. 